0: Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life. You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life, but you've never learned how to live the Christian life. You are listening to Telius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. The doctrine of the Trinity is one which has been taught since the first century. In this episode of Tellya's Talk, we are starting a two-part series discussing the doctrine of the Trinity and its importance to us as believers. The Bible never mentions the Trinity, so how did it become part of the doctrine of the Church? Is there any reason to doubt the biblical nature of a doctrine if it is not mentioned distinctly in Scripture? Please stay with us as we discuss this and many other questions.
1: Hello and welcome to Tellius Talk. My name is Wendell Martins and today we are starting a two-part series on the doctrine of the Trinity. When I was younger, I remember my Sunday school teacher trying to explain the idea of the Trinity by comparing the doctrine to the way we segment an apple. The skin was the Holy Spirit because it is who we are in contact with all the time. The flesh was Jesus, because through him we received nourishment. And the core was God the Father, because through him we receive life. And I'm sure most of you have had some type of explanation similar to this as well. And the problem with these examples is that they are all inadequate explanations. So where do we start when discussing a doctrinal teaching such as the Trinity? The word Trinity is never found anywhere in Scripture. And the use of the word Trinity, or triunity, or three-in-oneness, is used only as a describing word for a common principle found throughout the Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity can be found in the Old Testament as well, as in the New Testament. Now, to be clear, the traditional Jewish view of God denies a Trinitarian belief. In Judaism, God is understood to be the Absolute One, Indivisible and incomparable as a being who is the ultimate cause of all existence. The idea of God as a duality or trinity is heretical. Matt Perman from King's College, New York City says this, The doctrine of the trinity is foundational to the Christian faith. It is crucial to properly understand what God is like how he relates to us, and how we should relate to him. Wayne Grudem, in his book Systematic Theology, says, The being of each person in the Trinity is equal to the whole being of God. Now, one of the first places we see this concept of the Trinity presented is in Genesis one, where the Hebrew term for God, Elohim, is recorded in plural form. Now, this denotes an ultimate supremacy of God and suggests the use of the phrase, the gods. However, the term Elohim does not support God as a plurality, being like a realm of gods or pantheistic. But it does lay the groundwork for a Trinitarian understanding of God. We need to remember that the doctrine of the Trinity is set in the background of the Abrahamic Jewish monotheistic belief system. This belief stood counter to the polytheistic religions, which existed at the same time of the Hebraic covenant people. Later in the New Testament, it stood counter to the Roman Hellenistic thought at the time, both during Christ's time on earth and during the early church. Shortly after the verse in Genesis one, we read in Genesis one twenty six, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and the cattle over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. In this verse, the words us and our are there to show that God was conversing within himself. More precisely, God the Father was speaking to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. There are some who argue here that God was speaking to angels. But that notion doesn't make sense. Angels were never created in the image of God, as we are, and neither are we created in the image of angels. And why would God talk to angels as if they were co-creators or co-equal to him? Again, the us and our indicates God the Father speaking in the fullness of his divine creative power to the Son and the Holy Spirit. A similar conversation among the Godhead is seen in Genesis 3:22, And God said, the man has now become like us, knowing good and evil. The doctrine of the Trinity is arguably the most important doctrine in the Christian faith. We cannot agree to disagree over the Trinity or its importance to the Christian faith. In AD 200, Tertullian's thought concerning the Trinitarian doctrine likened it to a government with three different officials, completing three different tasks. About a hundred years later, Athanasius likened the doctrine of the Trinity to that of one person, at a single point in his life where he can be both a son, a father, a father, And a brother. Various non Trinitarian views, such as adoptionism, monarchianism, and Iranianism, existed prior to the formal definition of the Trinity doctrine. Iranianism was condemned as heretical by the First Council of Nicaea, and Sibelianism by the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople. Adoptionism was declared heretical by the Ecumenical Council of Frankfurt which was convened by Charlemagne in 794. Now there are some who argue that this doctrinal teaching of the Trinity was a mid-3rd century Constantinian pagan heresy forced on the Church to assimilate pantheistic principles into a scriptural framework. As long as we're talking about heresies pertaining to the doctrine of the Trinity, the United Pentecostal Church is sometimes identified with the slogan Jesus only, and it insists that people should be baptized in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because of this denial of the three distinct persons of God, this denomination should not be considered to be evangelical, and it is doubtful whether it should even be considered genuinely Christian at all. Modern non-Trinitarian groups or denominations include Christian Science, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Jehovah's Witnesses, The Living Church of God, The Members Church of God International, Seventh-day Adventist Church of God, Unitarian Christians, and the United Church of God. So let's discuss what this doctrine teaches us. And it is important that we each affirm the following three statements pertaining to the doctrine of the Trinity. First, God is three persons. Second, each person is fully God. And third, there is only one God. The traditional definition of the Trinity is outlined by James White in his book, The Forgotten Trinity. And he writes this, Within the one being, the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Monotheism is the pillar of the Trinitarian doctrine, and our best understanding comes from Isaiah. In Isaiah 43.10 we read, You are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. So God considers himself to be unique and without equal, who has always been and will always be. Later in Isaiah, chapter 44, verses 6 through 8, Isaiah writes this, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. There is no God beside me who is like me. Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order. From the time that I established the ancient nation, and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. The idea of God prophesying is important when we look at Jesus and who he claims to be. Also, if God does not know of any other gods, it means we are on a very firm place to know how God sees himself. God the Father is almost never questioned as being part of the Godhead. God is three persons is very evident in John 1, verses 1-2. to also in John 17:24, we find that Jesus is speaking to God, saying this, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. When people attack the teaching of the Trinity, they reject the clear monotheistic teaching of Scripture and they attempt to apply a tri-theistic, or three-god, understanding to it. If you hold a view which compromises the monotheistic view of the Trinity, there's something seriously wrong with your understanding. The words of Christ show a definite distinction of persons, their sharing of glory, and a love relationship between Father and Son before the creation of the world. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, and God is not the Holy Spirit, because we read in John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to you remembrance of all that I have said. So if God is a person, and Jesus is a person, what evidence do we have that the Holy Spirit is a person? For this answer, we need to search the Greek text. In John 14.26, the Holy Spirit is referred to as ekainos or He, an obvious masculine pronoun and not the neutral word for spirit, pneuma. Each person, being fully God, is taught in abundance in Scripture. God the Father is evident in the first line of the Bible where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, who but the Father could be a creator. And the Son is fully God. Again we have the reference of John 1, verses 1-4, through 4, as well as the exclamation of Thomas in John 20, 28, where he says, My Lord and my God, referring to the person of Jesus. Also in Romans 9, 5, where Paul writes, Whose are the Father's, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God, blessed forever. Amen. The Holy Spirit is fully God, as seen in Matthew 28 19, where Matthew quotes Jesus saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why would it be important to include the Holy Spirit? If he were not God, obviously, he is seen as being on par with God the Father and God the Son. These points taken alone would be very easy for us to understand. But we must add a final point in order that we fulfill the scriptural teaching of the Trinity. There is one God, and God is one. There are not three gods, there is only one God. Although the word Trinity is not found in Scripture, we do have what are known as the Trinitarian formulas. These include Matthew 28, 19, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-5, Ephesians 4, verses 4-6, 1 Peter 1, verse 2, and Revelation 1, verses 4-5. In all these verses, the three persons of the Godhead are named. The obvious example is the one that I've already shared from the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we do experience these in our churches at the time of baptism, where the pastor will say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the best verse from the Bible to explain this is found in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4-5, through and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your might. Likewise, James 2.16 says, You believe that God is one, you do well, the demons also believe and shudder. The faith in God over history has been taught as a monotheistic belief. This is one fact that never changes. It was taught in the Old Testament to the Jewish people through the law, and in the New Testament, first by Jesus to the Jewish, and then to the Gentile people by the apostolic writings as well. This belief in God, having a Trinitarian design, has been a very unpopular one throughout history since it does not allow for the belief in other gods or the acceptance of other religions. Our God is a very jealous God, and there is only one path which leads to him. Before I close, it is important to me that we not get too deep into dissecting every nuance of the doctrine of the Trinity, and in that vein, I'd like to read Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. Not everything we believe requires a comprehensive explanation, and the whole world struggles with this idea. This idea that we must explain all the secret things of God has unfortunately led to some churches teaching that miracles are from the devil. We need to embrace the fact that we will not and cannot understand everything even our salvation cannot be explained ours is not a blind faith however ours is a transforming faith let us pray father god we thank you that you reveal to us glimpses of yourself you reveal to us the things that we need to know in order for our faith to succeed. We pray that as we study things like the Trinity, which are very difficult to understand, that you would give us a feeling of satisfaction and hope. We thank you for your protection in our lives. We pray that you would bless us and keep us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Next week, I will be joined by two guests, Caleb and Kristen Unruh. We will be discussing seven questions regarding the Trinity. And these questions were presented by Mike Winger on his podcast to challenge what we believe and how we defend the doctrine of the Trinity.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Next month, Tellius talk will present part two in this series on the doctrine of the Trinity. We will be joined by special guests, Caleb and Kristen Unra, as we answer seven questions which challenge our understanding of the Trinity. Don't forget to visit our Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube sites. We are always happy to visit and answer questions. Our Facebook page has discussions, articles, and links to the topics we discuss monthly. Please keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. We look forward to sharing with you again. Do we believe what we believe
1: we believe?